Thank you, Rock Hills Band. I'm Pastor Dave. And isn't it true? There's a lot that's broken in this world. There's a lot that needs to be fixed. And there are many things that we would like fixed in our lives. But thankfully, there is a light that will guide us. A light that gives us strength and hope. Um, I want to go back into the 60s. My mom was a social worker in Detroit, Michigan. She worked downtown in the midst of chaos, really. It was a time of segregation and separation. The streets of Detroit were filled with hostility. Every moment seemed volatile, like racial tensions could break out at any point. And she experienced these tensions firsthand between white people and black people. It's, for me, it's kind of hard to believe as I look back to that time that in our nation, there was such deep prejudice over basic, you know, just basic issues of human rights. But really, as I think about it, it makes sense to me because deep in human hearts, there exist deep prejudices, right? Well, last Monday, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and his work And as we think back to that time, we think back to his life, he experienced incredible opposition. He was a light in that time as he stood for, and he became the voice for freedom and racial equality. In the midst of a nation that was confused, angry, and filled with anxiety, he spoke truth and called everyone to a better future to a day when all people would be treated equal and with dignity. And as Martin Luther King, as he spoke, there was an urgency in his words and in his life, a belief that a new day was coming and it was already on the way. And in the face of turmoil and the opposition that he fought against, he fought for love and acceptance and a unity between all people. And I'd like to share a few of the famous words from his speech in 1963, and then also some voices that opposed him as he faced great opposition. From his famous I Have a Dream speech, he said this, Now is a time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. And I say to you today, my friends, Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And there was opposition J. Edgar Hoover, who was the FBI director at the time, said this about Martin Luther King. Dr. King is the most notorious liar in this country. In his speech, he continued, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And yet there were opposing voices like George Wallace, who was the governor in Alabama. He said, I say, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, 
segregation forever. Martin Luther King's speech, so filled with hope, said, This is our hope. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will one day be free. And in the recent years, an FBI internal memo about Dr. King said this, He stands head and shoulders over all other Negro leaders when it comes to influencing great masses of Negroes. We must mark him now as the most dangerous Negro of the future in this nation. And we know the story. We know that opposition never faded. It was always in Martin Luther King Jr.'s face. And on April 4, 1968, he was shot and killed in Memphis, Tennessee. And even though his life was over. The dream remained alive. You know why? Because that dream was bigger than him. And so as we think of his life and as we begin to consider ours in terms of what is God doing in our lives, what is he calling us to? Here's the truth. Any dream or better future that's worth pursuing will require us to face opposition. I'll say it again. Any dream or better future that's worth our pursuing will require us to face opposition. Now, it's difficult as we, we can't compare our lives to Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, he was a great light. He had a significant calling. But no matter what our better future might look like, no matter what God may be drawing us toward, we are going to face obstacles if we pursue it. So the question is, how will you respond when opposition comes? Or how will you react when opposition visits you? Because we'll all face it. We all face it. I mean, if you're, if you're married, and certainly if you're divorced, you've encountered some opposition from your spouse, right? How do you resolve it? If you have children, you've had to deal with rebellion against you, probably this morning. I was reminded this, just uh, this morning, I was, I was just driving here. My oldest son was two years old, and uh, it was an afternoon. I was at work, and my wife had asked him to pick up his toys, and he said no. And she said, pick up your toys or you're going to your room. He said no. He went to his room, and he stayed there all afternoon. She came back every once in a while and said, hey, Colin, you ready to pick up your toys? Nope. And I came home that night. My, my, my wife, you know, we had one child at that point. She was beside herself. And there he was in his room. And uh, finally, at, there was just this moment where my wife and I were talking. He kind of walked behind us, walked into the room and picked up his toys on his own. <laughs> The question is, though, when we face opposition with our kids, what do we do about it? How do we deal with it? If you've tried to lose weight, you've had to battle many temptations. Some of us are battling those things today. How do you turn them away? If you've come through a broken relationship, it may seem like there are huge obstacles toward finding a better future. So how can you move 
forward. If you've ever started something new or tried to get something new off the ground, you've experienced setbacks and difficult things. And the question is, how have you fought through those things to overcome them and stay on course? We know that there are many difficulties in our life, and especially as we pursue something better, we are going to face obstacles and opposition. So as we considered Martin Luther King Jr.'s life, I mean, he lived for a better future, and we're not him, right? Our Whatever we're going for, whatever, whatever we want to be a part of, is going to seem so much smaller than that, but... I'm here to tell you today that God has something specific for you where you can be a part of creating a better world. And you may be wondering right now, me, little old me, I mean, what is that? I have no idea what God is doing in my life today. I don't know what God wants me to be a part of, but it's true. God has a vision for you. He has a better vision for you to pursue. And it may not seem like a big deal. It may seem like a little thing in comparison to a lot of uh, visions that people are about in this life. But it's important because God is calling you to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And each unique vision plays a role. So you may be wondering, okay, how does that happen? I mean, if if I'm interested in pursuing that vision, I mean, how do I figure that out? How how do I know what it is? Because we have kind of our own ideas of what we might like our life to look like. But what does God want our life to look like? Well, there's not a formula for it. I can't say, you know, here's the black and white answer of what you need to do, but here's what I know. Because we see it throughout the scriptures, and I've seen it in the church. And that is, we have to spend time with God. We have to learn how to begin spending our our days looking for God, seeking him. Taking moments where we think of God. We, We think of, okay, God, how can I reflect you in my relationships today? And we find him when we seek him through the scriptures and we allow other faithful people to be in our lives and to speak into us. And that means that we've got to be around or a part of a faith community like this. That's how God begins to lead us, to guide us, to show us light when we feel like maybe our life is darkness. It begins when we are open, when we spend time with him, when we seek him, we look into the scriptures and we allow faithful people around us to help us. And then, I know this because I've experienced it and I've seen it in so many people's lives, God will reveal his ideas for you. He will reveal his vision for you in his time and in his way doesn't happen overnight. You can't microwave it, but he will reveal it. Hey, whatever it is, though, it's bigger than you. 
all right? It's bigger than your life. He's calling you to be a part of something that he's doing. And you know what? You need him to do it, to pursue it. I mean, you're called to be light. And Jesus brings light into our world, and we'll talk more about that, but we are called to be light as we live into the vision that God is revealing to us. And when you pursue it, what are you going to face? Opposition. So the question is, how will we confront it? So as we look throughout the the scriptures, we get all these stories of where faithful people had opposition. They had difficult things to overcome. They were harassed. They had people who were against them. They, you know, had, you know, hell. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that happened. And so when we uh, continue looking at Nehemiah's life, he had great opposition too. I mean, Nehemiah had this calling to go back to his homeland, to Jerusalem, to rebuild the city, to rebuild the wall around his people's city. And so rebuilding Jerusalem, it was going to be costly. I mean, there was going to be great expense to make it happen. He was going to have personal costs to pursue that. He had to put some skin in the game. And when the Jewish people started that project, when they started rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem, enemies rose up to destroy their work. Listen to the story from Nehemiah. Uh, Sanballat was very angry. Now, Sanballat, this is an interesting name because there's, in any kind of Hebrew or uh, uh, Near Eastern name, there's a range of meanings. But the, the kind of the context of his name was full of sin. In Akkadian, Sanballat means full of sin. Imagine that. I don't know if that's something he embraced. He said, yeah, bring it on. That's what I'm all about. Well, because he was about it. It's an unfortunate name. He was very angry. When he learned that we were rebuilding the wall, he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army, why does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that, what, what do they think they're doing? Do they think they can rebuild the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charge ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. Now, don't you love that? He's saying, your work stinks. It doesn't have a chance. It's not going to hold. The wind will probably blow it down. And it's kind of nice to see that middle school tactics are alive and well, even in the Bible. Because we all have people in our lives who are like this, don't we? The critics, they bring us so much joy. They're there, right? They've got words against whatever we're doing. But we're not surprised by this because we know that any dream that's worth pursuing will require us to face opposition, So let's think about our faith for a moment. This is so important for us because whenever we take some steps of faith, even even if for you, you're just trying to figure out faith and what it means to be in a relationship with God and to follow Christ, whenever we take a step, there's gonna be some pushback that will come our way. I mean, there, there are forces against us 
growing into a vibrant relationship with God. I mean, challenge is going to come as we take steps in faith. The mocking words will come. The ridicule will come. So here's what we need to expect and what many of us have experienced. See, the first kind of ridicule that we face comes from within. And you may want to define it as self-ridicule because we start taking some steps and then, you know, then there's a little pushback. Things don't go the way that we expected. And we experience internal doubt. There's a voice from within that tells us, yeah, you're going to fail. Just like the last time, you're going to fail again. And this voice inside of us, it'll drudge up the past. It'll bring back the past, our past failures, our mistakes, our sins. You're not good enough. You're worthless. Your future is not going to get any better. Who do you think you are trying to pursue this or accomplish this? You're never going to do it. And those voices will come. And really, that inner voice, it sounds a lot like us, but it's really influenced by our enemy, the devil. I mean, there's, a, you know, this is, this is a different message altogether, but there is a dark enemy in our world that's against us, who loves to speak condemnation on us, who longs for us to be stuck in the past. And Jesus said that this enemy His goal is to steal and kill and destroy us. He doesn't want us to live out this vision that God has for us. And he's going to continue to whisper in our ears that we're unworthy. We don't belong to God. You'll never get it right. But Jesus tells us, you will get it right as you trust me. Because I have come to bring life And I have come to bring more faith, to increase your faith if you're willing to walk with me and to seek me. Jesus said in Matthew 17, he was having a discussion like this. He says, you don't have enough faith, disciples. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible because God is is with you. And with God, all things are possible. So that means for us today, no matter how small our faith is, no matter where we're starting, that's a promise for us. When we believe God's words, that we have value and purpose in Christ, we can accomplish big things. We can be a part of things that are bigger than us. And when you're in relationship with Jesus, when you have faith, the Bible tells us that you are God's son, you are God's daughter, and he wants to lavish his love and purpose on you and to teach you his ways. We see that ridicule, it comes from within, but it also comes from without as we face opposition. You see, there's this outside opposition that comes. People in our lives just like Sanballat and Tobiah. And they show up at just the right time, right? When positive things are beginning to happen, when it looks like, hey, there's, there's some light that's starting to break through, our faith, our faith is beginning to grow and to blossom, they appear. They could seemingly come out of nowhere. And I've seen this so many times in ministry, I've experienced it in my own life. 
And I think back to a time when I was uh, just newly in sales, out of college. I was a brand new Christian following Christ and just kind of learning to stumble along the way. And my first sales director, um, he uh, he was always a critic. I mean, he was always on something. But in this one particular situation, I had gone out to be spend time with one of our biggest customers in my region, and uh, and I'd hit it off with him. We were you know forming a relationship, um, and we were sharing a little bit about life, and I was sharing with him what was happening now with my faith. And so my boss, sales director, found out about this, and he called me in his office, and he said to me, he said. I don't want you ever in his office again. He's our biggest customer in, his, in our region or in your region. And if you mess it up, you're fired. I don't want you out there talking to him. I don't want you in a relationship with him. I don't want you talking about your faith with him. Well, that left me very encouraged that day. But what happens is when we get hit like that with opposition, we, what do we do? We fall back, right? We become afraid. We're, we're not sure. And we're not, you know, it's much harder to take steps forward. And we have all kinds of people in our lives that may play this kind of role of opposition. It could be friends or coworkers. You may have a spouse that seems against your faith or your growth. And we can get desperately discouraged. We can get torn down where we we don't even know if we can take another step forward. We want to hide our faith. And you know what? That's natural for all of us. But I'm here to tell you that when God is in our life, he will give us what we need to take the next step. Step, And you may be at a place right now where you're very discouraged. You feel like your vision, whatever it may be for your future, has been put on hold. You may even feel that your vision or your better future is dead. But God will bring, breathe life into it. He will bring it back and he will tell, help you to take the next step. And he will meet you right where you are. You see, after Sanbala and Tobiah tried to ridicule the Jewish people, they moved on to intimidation. It wasn't just the words they were throwing. There was actual physical intimidation that they began to throw at the Jewish people where they wanted to confuse them and they wanted to make them quit. Because here was the situation. The Jewish people, they were working hard to rebuild this wall day after day, sleeping not much at night. And now, physical attacks were beginning to be a reality. Here's what the text says. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. We hear their plots. So I placed armed guards. This is Nehemiah speaking. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall and the exposed areas. I stationed people to, the, to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows, And then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. And the people said, what? What do you mean, don't be afraid? They have weapons. He said this, remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, 
your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. That's a pretty inspiring speech. And what he said, or what he was saying is, God will fight for us. So remember the Lord, look to him, and he'll give you what you need. Now, these were words that the Jewish people needed to hear. I mean, they were exhausted. In fact, they started working where, um, you know, one would do the work, one was sitting there with a the sword. It says that, you know, there are a number of people that were working with one hand and had a sword in the other. But they were always on guard, always anxious. And I think we can get that. You know, when we look at our own lives and the things that, you know, may physically oppose us, whether it's our health whether there's adversity that seems that, you know, is right in our face and we can't get through it, or we've got, you know, relationships with people that have wronged us, people that we have to see on, an, you know, on a regular basis, you know, what are we supposed to do? And Nehemiah tells us, he encourages us today, you've got to face it. You've got to be willing to fight because if we don't, you know what happens? Fear and anxiety will take over and you and I will end up stepping back into maybe a former way of life. We'll be afraid. We'll fall into behaviors that take us away from the dream that God wants us to pursue. And if we go back, we lose heart and we stop the process that God wants us to be in. You see, that's what's amazing about Martin Luther King Jr. is he didn't stop. He didn't quit. He kept going in the face of tremendous opposition. And Nehemiah, he did the same thing. He pressed on in the face of, I mean, real threats against his life. And Jesus calls you and he calls me into a life where we're willing to fight. So the question is, how do we fight? Because God, and certainly Jesus as he talks about this, he doesn't call us to arm ourselves to fight with the weapons of this world. He says, I want you to fight with love, not hate. I want you to come ready to live differently, to go against the world with something that the world isn't fully familiar with. You know why this is so important? Because our world needs to be fixed. I mean, we all know that. We, we experience that. But you know what? We can't fix it. We can't fix ourselves. Only God can do that. And God gives us a recipe. Jesus has talked to us about this all throughout the Gospels. He says, follow me. He says, how do you fight? You don't fight with the world's ways. You fight with love. So this is kind of the how for us. As we think about, okay, how do I deal with opposition? How do I deal with difficult people? How do I deal with these situations that are against me and against what I believe God wants me to be a part of? Jesus says, we love. 
So Matthew 5, he shares uh, these incredible words. We'll put them up on the screen. He says this. He says, you know, you're, you're used to a world where you, uh, you go against your enemies. When somebody does something to you, you push back. And Jesus said, I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who are against you. You pray for those who persecute you. And you know, when we first hear these words, we say, how can that be? How can I do that? Well, Jesus said, this is the way of God. This is a new way. It's what brings light into our world when we love and when we pray. And we have to trust God to do that. We have to allow him to work through us to fix stuff that's broken in this world. So here's, I think this is um, you know, how we can respond today as we think about, okay, how do I begin to pursue this? Well, it starts with what we've been talking about over the last three or four weeks. Um, one, one of the things that we, we asked is that, um, that we would take the next 40 days, we're about halfway through now, the next 20 days through Valentine's Day to pray daily, to pray specifically that God would begin to show us what we can be a part of, what that vision is for us, what that better future is that he wants us to be a part of, that we would pray that individually and that we would pray that as a community. And I have to tell you this, as I've been doing this, um, I just want to say thank you. Um, you know, as, as you pray and you participate in praying these prayers, something's happening. And I can feel it even as I pray. I'm encouraged. Um, it's easier for me to pray right now than it was a month or two months ago. And I believe that's because we're connecting to something that God is doing. And so if you haven't kind of kind of found that, that rhythm yet, I want to invite you um, just to look at your life. Where can I start praying? And maybe this will help you. You may be, I mean, we can pray in the car, you can pray as you think about it. Those are really good things. But maybe you need a place. One place that you can go that is a specific place for prayer. I mean, Jesus said, as he was teaching the disciples to pray, he said, I want you to find that closet, that special place where you can pray, where you know I'm going to be there when you show up. I'm going to be there waiting for you. And when you get there, you know, okay, this is, this is a special place. And maybe we've talked about the friend that needs to be in your life, the, the person, the mentor that, that you're sharing you know, this stuff with and kind of interacting with, the person that's praying for you. Uh, maybe you need to pray together, maybe just once a week, maybe over the phone. And it may be hard for you. You're like, I have no idea what to pray. Just pray this. All right, God, I'm going to pray that I can love those who are against me. That I can find ways to act on that. When they do something I don't like at work, maybe there's a way that I can bless them. Bless those who persecute you, Jesus said. And this is why I think it's so important for us in the how. If we do these things, imagine what God might do. 
Because when we do these things that are so foreign to our world, God's light shines. And God's, God's light will shine through you this week as you take these steps. Please pray with me. Lord, we want a, a light that'll guide us. And we know as we look at the scriptures, Jesus, you are the light of the world. You are the light that shines in the darkness. And we, we simply ask that your light will shine in our lives. And that this vision that you're calling us to be a part of, God, we'll know how to pursue it this week. We'll, we'll, as we pray, as we look to you, we'll know what to do. We'll know how to love. We'll know how to take the next step. We'll be an encouragement to somebody who's in need. And Lord, we believe that you'll give us exactly what we need as confrontation comes, as opposition comes, as we stop and we listen and we respond with your love because our world is in desperate need for it. And we pray this in Christ. Amen.